We made it, y'all. I cannot believe we made it through 2023. It is almost 2024. Mind-blowing to say. And so what I want to do is recap some things on this episode for you and just have you reflect back on your 2023 in your autism parenting journey. Also, as human being, recapping what's been happening in the autism world and in particular in the world of my practice and what I've been sharing. Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, a licensed child psychologist and parental coach specializing in neurodivergent affirming care. I have supported hundreds of autistic children and their families and have been in the autism field for over a decade. And I know firsthand the impact autism can have. I was 12 years old when my little brother was diagnosed and my family had to learn how to navigate the autism journey. It wasn't always easy. Two decades later, I now create resources and services I wish my family had, including this podcast, and I developed the whole family approach. On this podcast, of course, we will talk about autism, but we will also talk about your personal growth and well-being as a parent, supporting your non-autistic children, and sharing personal stories of other families so you know you're not alone. Quick disclaimer before we jump into today's episode. Anything shared on this podcast should not be considered clinical advice, and you should consult with your team of medical, mental health, and developmental providers if you need support. So one of the things that I want to start this episode is having you do some self-reflection. And I think this can be helpful. And here's the thing. Let's talk about, before we do some self-reflection, New Year's goals and what my thoughts about them are. I historically am not a big person who loves New Year's goals because the reason being is we can reset at any point. We have the ability to reset at any point. And one of the things that I don't love, and I swear I talk about this like every time around this time of year, is like the hoopla that comes with New Year's goals. And we set these huge intentions and we feel the excitement. But what happens is if it's not a realist goal and it's not something you're fully committed to, then it's really hard to be consistent. And so that's one of the things that I want you to hear is there's nothing magical about it being a new year that all of a sudden your goals are going to come into place and you're going to be able to achieve things. And that is not a negative mindset. You know, the key is you deciding if it feels aligned And if you truly want to make the change with that in mind, I think, ask yourself, like really do a check in. Are you just setting these goals? Because that's what everyone says we we should do. And you know that I am not a fan of shoulds around here. I always once I learned it, I could never unforget it is stop shoulding on yourself. And yes, it's in what it sounds like is what it's supposed to be. But it's this idea that like we constantly hold ourselves to this ideal that someone else created for us, right? You didn't create the idea of New Year's goals. Now, you can opt in and mindfully choose to make those goals. But if you're just following the hoopla, you're just following the should, someone else created that ideal. And that doesn't mean that it is your ideal. And I think that's really important to keep in mind. However, I'm going to also contradict myself right now. I think the other side of this is a great time for reflection, resetting, looking back and asking yourself, what do you want to change for 2024? And this is 
true in terms of yourself, but I'd also do it for your family and in particular your autistic child. I think this can be one of the things that we don't often do is thinking about goals of what is realistic for your child in 2024. So let's talk about if you choose to mindfully set goals, what is important about them? And you'll hear a bunch of things. You'll hear people be like, oh, you need to set smart goals. You need this and that. But what I will say is super important is don't try to create a huge behavior change from where you're at now to where you're thinking you want to set your goal for in the start of 2024. You can, however, have a huge behavior change from now and one year from now, and we can build up and use momentum and do it in an incremental way so that you are more likely to achieve success. But for example, I love using working out as a great one. It's really funny. I love working out. It has always been super regulatory. But if you didn't hear my personal update episode with Char, my dog's cancer diagnosis, I had to cancel my gym membership because she really couldn't be left unattended. And now she can, but I'm just not ready to leave her unattended, given kind of the traumatic nature of how I ended up discovering that she had cancer and having to rush her to the emergency vet. Anyway, I digress. So my point in this, though, is I actually have gotten out of the routine. And so it is okay. You're going to have these life situations that are going to impact your ability to show up for yourself or to show up in a way to reach whatever you're trying to reach. And it ebbs and flows. And so it's important to be aware of that mindset and not then have this all or nothing mindset of either I'm doing it or I'm not. And I think that's often what happens with New Year's goals is it's too big of a leap. So working out. If you are not working out right now, setting a goal where it's, okay, I'm gonna work out five days a week for one hour a day and I'm gonna do that. And then we're starting January 1. That is automatically setting you up for failure. And I want you to know that. I think that's important to keep in mind because you're asking for too big of a change in your behavior. What we see is the most effective is small, consistent changes. And again, those can be incremental. So if you're not working out now, it might be like, hey, let's start working out two times a week. Where can I fit this in? Or it also could be varying the time. Hey, let's just move my body for 15 minutes a day. And what's going to happen, I'm going to warn you, is that all or nothing thinking is going to come in and saying, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I should be doing. You can get there. You can get to the point that you're working out five days a week for an hour a day, but you have to build it up incrementally. Let me give you like a really salient example here. So either think about your autistic child's speaking ability right now or what it's been in the past. And I know for some of you, you didn't have delayed language. So if this exact example isn't resonating, maybe think of something that you've worked on with your child for a long time. But let's talk about speaking. So spoken language, right? That would be the equivalent of New Year's goals a lot of times is saying to yourself, oh, my child isn't consistently speaking right now, but let's have them speaking two word phrases consistently on January 1. And you might be saying in your mind, that is crazy, Taylor. Why are you even giving this analogy? That's so unrealistic. But I want you to think of your personal goals in the way that you think of your child's progress. It's incremental. It's bit by bit. It's building momentum. 
And so if your child isn't consistently speaking right now, maybe the first part is with Gestalt. Says go listen to episode 77 on Gestalt language processing and modeling scripts for them. And that's your goal for January is I just want to model more scripts. I'm not even expecting them to speak. And then maybe from there, you're exposing them to more. And then you're seeing that progress and you're bringing on speech therapy to help expedite that process. You're learning about gestalt language processing and all of this, right? There's so many different ways we can come at it and strategies to achieve that goal. And we're not expecting an overnight change in that behavior if we're thinking of communication as a behavior. So why are you doing that to yourself? So remove that stress. Now, back to the point that I started with is let's reflect on your 2023. So some things that I want you to really consider for yourself is asking yourself, okay, what are three things that went really well this year that I am super, super proud of? And I'd recommend doing that for yourself as well as your kids. In particular, I think we often aren't mindful about autistic children's progress because we have to provide a lot of support more than neurotypical kids. And so we don't notice that. And so reflect back, what was it like January 2023? What was your child doing? What were you working on? Are you still working on those things? That's okay. But what progress has been made? And so I just throw out three as a number. It's not like a set in stone, but really identifying what went really well this year. And then additionally, what was challenging this year? What were some roadblocks you hit? And I think it's important to reflect on those in two different ways is acknowledging they're there. That is really powerful, not continuing just to pretend it didn't happen, but it allows us to ask, okay, why did that roadblock come up? Is there any problem solving that we can do moving forward? So that's one piece. But the other piece is there is often so much resilience that is built in roadblocks. And when we think about it, it's, wow, that was really hard. And I'm damn proud of myself how I navigated that. Or I'm damn proud of myself how I got through that. So that's another piece that I just want you to think through. And then taking an inventory, where are you at right now? And this goes back to that New Year's goals. And I think this is what is often missed is this like, oh, I just know what I want to do and maybe I'm not doing it. But it's not a true inventory of where are strengths, where are support needs and doing that again for yourself. You have support needs too, right? Hear that loud and clear. You have support needs. We all do. And then also simultaneously, where are your child's strengths and support needs as well? And then from there, I want you to think ahead to this time next year, December 2024. And what sort of progress do we want to have seen happen? And then taking a bite size of that, and maybe that's your New Year's goal right now. But I think what happens when we set a goal for the whole year and then we don't break it down, it feels so unrealistic. The other thing with goal setting that happens, again, I talked about that all or nothing thinking. That's one. And it's going to pop in. So how can you challenge that of being like, nope, progress, right? So maybe you need to go back and listen to the episode on the gap in the gain. I think that could be a really great one heading into the new year. Asking yourself realistically, how are you going to get there? And breaking that down and challenging that all or nothing mindset, I think becomes really important. 
The other reason that like long-term goals don't work is because we don't see the results. And the results are a form of reward when you're gaining that momentum and you're seeing small wins. If you set so big of a goal, those small wins don't feel significant because it's, oh, I'm so far off. And again, that gap in the gain episode is really going to talk about how you can shift your mindset around that. Ultimately, again, how can you come back to recognizing the progress that you're making? And I think one of the ways that you can do that is actually shifting your goal into kind of smaller, like bite-sized chunks. And then when you do make progress, it's, oh my gosh, I'm already halfway there to this goal. That's exciting. That keeps the energy going. That keeps the momentum going. And I think that can be really essential. By the way, the episode, The Gap in the Game in Parenting is episode 28. So I think that can be helpful. But the other thing I think that can happen. So we need that those successes and viewing them as successes to keep us going because there's a natural reinforcer in that. But I think also frustration can happen too. Like I'm not progressing quick enough and not realizing you have the whole entire year. And listen, y'all, this doesn't need to be some big elaborate thing. This is intended for you to have some curiosity, to do some reflection, and to be mindful. And maybe as you're listening, you're jotting some things down. So that's the other thing. Get rid of that all or nothing mindset that tells you it needs to be some big elaborate paint plan. You have to make a vision board. Listen, if that feels aligned and you like it, then do it. But if it doesn't, just get clarity, mental clarity on all of these things. Actually, just as a heads up, there's a couple upcoming episodes that are going to be perfectly timed. I planned it this way for the new year. And I just wanted to chat through those. It will be the next Wednesday's episode. It's going to be all about manifestation. It's with a coach who teaches this and really focuses on this, but she is also an autism parent herself. And then shortly after that, I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to do it as a mini episode um, in between or the following Wednesday, I have a pop culture episode coming up on getting Delulu and how you can use your delusion. So I think that will be some good momentum to keep this rolling. Mindfulness and intentionality of what you actually want, I think, can be helpful. It doesn't need to be this big, elaborate thing either. So I hope that is helpful. So Let's pivot and talk about, I've been referencing a couple episodes, but over, so this podcast actually has been going on for a little over a year. I never announced when it was the year, the year episode, but let's talk about some of the analytics and some of the popular episodes that, you know, really stood out because I think this can be helpful. If you haven't listened to them, you can know that other people found value in them and it's not just me plugging things away, I think that can be really helpful. So like I said, we're about a little over a year into the podcast. And granted, there are some things where as episodes, then the older episodes are naturally going to get more listens because they've been around longer, but I still think there's some really good ones. So episode four, take us way back when, and it's not that all the like old episodes are doing really well. But what is autism, signs, symptoms, and neurodiversity? So if you're wondering about autism in two ways, like maybe your child's not diagnosed and you're curious if they're meeting criteria, 
Or the other piece is maybe they are diagnosed, but you're curious how they met diagnostic criteria and that was never explained for you. That would be a really good episode, but we also start to dive in. It's really where I start to break down neurodiversity. So that was a really popular episode. And I think when I think about my clinical practice and what I'm doing, I will say by and large, in terms of referrals this year, it was for autism evaluation. So I've shared about this on the podcast. I currently practice virtually in about 40 states. And yes, we can do autism evaluations via telehealth. There's a couple episodes on that as well that could be helpful to go listen to if you're curious how that's possible and what that means and all of that. But number one, for sure, is families getting diagnosed. And it's really interesting when I tell people the type of work that I do, they're, one of their questions, I actually was at the vet today with Char and the vet, I mentioned that I was a psychologist, the vet asked what I did. And then the vet asked me like, oh, why do you think we're seeing more, like more autism? And I think by and large, it is because our great awareness of this and we're shifting our mindset. We're seeing an unprecedented rate of females being diagnosed right now. We're also seeing an unprecedented amount of adults being diagnosed for the first time ever, which doesn't indicate that like it didn't exist back then. It simply is that these individuals were missed. And a lot of these individuals are more high masking. But I also think we're getting better tools, better awareness, better conversations. All of that is true. We also know in terms of epigenetics that there are influences that come into play in terms of environment and genes and all of that. And I think that is something that is coming into play. And if you guys didn't know this work, you might not, you might know this part, but the second part is more what I mean. We are seeing even more like parents having kids at a later stage and paternal age has actually been linked to increased likelihood of autism. And so that's something important to keep in mind that basically males in their 40s, their rate of having an autistic child does increase. And then we see it even higher at age 50. And so as we see this cultural trend of people waiting to have kids, I think that's also coming into play. So there are definitely other factors be beyond better diagnosis. But I also think and most importantly is that we're seeing a reduction in stigma. There's more conversations happening about how brains are different and how we can support this. And the label maybe doesn't feel as scary as it once did. And so in my practice, by, by and large, referrals for diagnosis have become really key. And I would say where I'm seeing a lot of, actually as a whole, I'm seeing this in my practice on the therapy side too, is I'd say my two kind of referral questions I'm seeing the most is like the early childhood age of I want to figure this out now and get my child the support, whether that's on diagnosis or therapy, and then PDA, pathological demand avoidance. So I do promise I've referenced this many times on the podcast. I just wanted before I spoke on it to feel really confident in my messaging around it and really make sure that I've done the behind the scenes. But I've been supporting parents day in and day out with the PDA profile, making quote unquote diagnoses with PDA. It's not an official diagnosis, but I love helping to educate parents and actually putting it into the report as part of the conceptualization. And I just wanted to feel confident. So I think I'm going to, in the new year, do a mini series where we're going to break it all down. I actually, a little sneak peek, 
have a course that I'm going to start working on as well. I'm hoping to launch that in February, all about PDA. So if you can't access my services, maybe you're in a different state or maybe out of network, private pay services aren't an option for you. This will be a way to learn this information and learn what I'm teaching in my therapeutic approaches, in particular in my group therapy program. Real quick, just a brief interruption, because I want you to know you don't have to navigate this journey alone. If you're in a place where you have concerns about your child's development, you've been on the search for a therapist that provides evidence-informed neurodivergent affirming care, or you're needing more support as a parent, the whole family approach may be a good fit for you. Autism doesn't just impact your child's life, so you deserve care that works for your child and your whole family. Head to the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary call where we can chat about your unique circumstances. We can help you decide if Dr. Tay concierge clinical care would be a good fit for your family. And if not, we will provide you resources for your next best steps. Okay, let me just recap some episodes here too as I'm referencing them. So in terms of telehealth, that is episode... 46 telehealth evaluations, a new era in autism diagnosis. So that could be a really good one to dive into. And then in terms of the epigenetics piece, having a guest on Dr. Steve Cheney to talk about that. So breaking down autism causes myth and myths and nutritional considerations with Dr. Steve Cheney. That's episode 71. Okay, back to recapping the most popular episodes. So the next one, and this is with a guest, and this does not surprise me at all. I'm looking at these live with you guys right now. Episode 77, a deep dive into gestalt language processing in AAC with speech language pathologist Katia Piscatelli. And Katia is boho speechy on Instagram and Facebook. So if you come across her account, this doesn't surprise me as well, because what we're seeing with gestalt language processing I think, is this push similar, like right in line with the neurodiversity movement? And this is also where I was saying, I think I'm attracting a lot of people who want to provide support for their child really early. And when they're not seeing progress with speech language pathology, this is always a place to look into. And so they're estimating right now that 85%, somewhere around that, of autistic individuals are gestalt language processors. So even if your child's older, still, What is linked to gestalt language processing also comes with gestalt cognitive processing. And the way to think of it, I like to think of it as like, it almost feels like memorization, right? And then they're able to use that. Like information gets into their brain really quickly and then they're able to keep it there. So that is a great episode. I learned so much. And what's been really cool too in my practice is similar to PDA. I'd say this year, there are two areas and then I think that there's an umbrella term that I learned the most about this year are PDA and Gestalt language processing. And they have changed my practice so much. So yes, I'm not a speech language pathologist, but I'm constantly talking about Gestalt language processing, helping parents to understand what it is, what stage their kid's in, how they can support it, recommending AAC. Like I have a local patient that I see and who has a big team. And I was the first one to be like, hey, I think we need to introduce AAC. As the first one to say, I think he's a gestalt language processor. And this isn't to toot my own horn, but it is showing this cross collaboration that is happening between fields. And so then I went to his speech language pathologist and started saying, hey, have you heard of this? What do you recommend? 
I ended up finding an NLA-based therapist for this kid, natural language acquisition. So Katia talks all about that in the episode. So both of those have been such areas of growth and they've changed my practice dramatically. And I think in some ways, I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg that I started learning about them and talking about them. So then it was attracting more early childhood focus for clients or that PDA focus. But I also just think that parents are looking for more information like this. And by providing that, they realized, okay, there is a way or this is making sense to get my child support. So then the big umbrella term, I feel like in terms of my own progress in all of that is neurodiversity. If I think about this time last year when I was starting the podcast, I was nervous to talk about neurodiversity. I was afraid I was going to misstep. I was afraid that I would misspeak and not represent the autistic voices accurately or that I was trying to overshadow them. And what I realized through this, there always is going to be some of that. I'm not autistic. I will never be autistic. I don't even think that I'm neurodivergent based on what I know about myself, but maybe that will unfold over time. But I think that what I realized is by listening to autistic voices and being an ally and talking about it, that there is a place for clinicians to be talking about that. So that's a lot of the growth of that I've been seeing. All right, let's go through. We'll go through the top five. And I promise I'm not going to deep dive every single one. The next one is episode 50, the intersection of autism and ADHD, a deep dive with Dr. Carrie Jackson. So great episode on kind of that overlap of ADHD and a little sneak peek actually too. Going into the new year, I did just record an episode with a psychiatrist, a child and adolescent psychiatrist, Dr. Ariel Rubin. We're going to break down all things medication and ADHD is also a focus there. So I think that will be really helpful. And I think working with a clinician that understands autism and then also the co-occurring mental health challenges that can come up with that, I think are important. Then Interesting. Okay. So episode two, we're really throwing it back. And like I said, there is a slight bias in this and that later episodes are going to be, have the opportunity to have more listens, but it's interesting. I think we're seeing a mix in terms of top episodes. 77 was in spot number two and actually 79 is in spot number five. So we'll cover that. But episode two is regulating your emotions and supporting your child's emotional development. Part one. So that's actually the child focus episode. And then I think, and then in part two, I talk about, no, hold on. Is it? Wow. No, it is not. I I forgot how I did these. So episode two is actually talking about your ability to regulate yourself in co-regulation. And I just, I think this is such an under talked about area in the autism field and focus of we need to support parents first, right? And or maybe not first, but simultaneously to the child. And this is where my whole family approach, it's become my passion project to support the whole family, including siblings, because autism doesn't just impact your child. It does impact the whole family and vice versa too. what you do impacts your autistic child as well. And then in spot number five, oh, interesting. I know I said I was only going to five, but my personal episode is number six. And then we'll wrap this up. So autistic, so episode 79, autistic, not weird. So this was another guest episode. And so 
It is called Autistic Not Weird Neurodiversity and Advocacy with Chris Bonello. So that doesn't surprise me. He was so amazing. That was such an enlightening conversation. So he is autistic. He was late identified, really talking about that and his experiences and his, you know, advocacy and support platform called Autistic Not Weird. So another great episode. And that's what I want to emphasize is in all my learning, right, I am learning from a mix of people. I'm learning from professionals and what they're talking about. But more often than not, I'm very much being mindful to listen to autistic voices and balancing that out. And I will own in my training, that was not something we ever were taught to do. So that has been a huge shift. And I'm just realizing it's such a great collaboration. And I just am so honored. I had several autistic individuals on the podcast this year. And for them to share their story and be so open and also teach me in the process has been such a beautiful thing. All right. Like I said, I was going to do only the top five, but let's do one more because this episode was near and dear to my heart. If you want to get to know me a little bit more and my story, episode 16 comes in sixth place as the top listened to episode. And it's I See You, My Story and Introduction to Autism and Why I Chose My Career Path. So this was a really emotional episode. I was laying out the vulnerability and just not holding back. And it was hard to record. It was hard to edit. It was hard to post. And looking back, so I think that's where I really want to start to wrap this episode. Looking back at my personal journey. And this isn't just my personal journey with me, myself, and I, although that's been part of this. But my acceptance and ability and willingness to share my family's story and them to be so incredibly supportive in that. So I remember that was aired in March and it was around February. Wait, no, I'm trying to remember the timing. No, y'all, it was over Christmas last year. I asked my family's permission to start sharing my our family story publicly, and they were so supportive. And I think that episode was so pivotal in my role as a clinician, as well as my own personal journey. I was finally willing to let some of these walls down that I had built up over time because I was always the helper and I loved being the helper and I thrived being the helper still to this day. It's so true. And I realized that it wasn't this all or nothing thinking that I'm either the helper or I need help. Those can coexist. And so by letting my walls down and letting you all in on this journey, I think it showed my passion for the work that I do. I think it also allowed me to be more connected to it. I didn't have to start trying to hide behind it. And it's not that I ever hid it intentionally. I would talk about it when relevant with families, but I had never talked about it in this open way. And I just think it was such a pivotal shift for me in the way that I run this business, the way that why I designed the business, the way I did, why the whole family approach is so important because I'm designing services that I thought my family needed when I I was growing up, my brother was growing up. And so I'm really proud of that episode. And I I just want to thank y'all for supporting this podcast and me and all of it, but that episode in particular. The other piece that I talked about this in many episodes is my own personal therapy journey. 
and just how transformative that has been working with a psychologist to support me and getting that help and realizing, yes, I'm the helper and I love being the helper, but I need to also create space for me. And I hope by doing that, one of the things I think about episode 16 too, is not only me modeling vulnerability to you, it's also me modeling that asking for help is okay, that me modeling having someone to support you is okay. And it's not that I'm the end-all be-all here. By no means is that the case. But I do think that I talk about modeling being an effective approach. And if you're engaged in this pro- podcast to see, I think sometimes a professional, this is my world, this is what I do day in and day out, say, yeah, I need help too. I think that's important. And I think similarly, your children seeing you do that is super important. And sometimes we just need someone to pave the way for us and model and show that it's okay. And it gives us this sense of permission. So as I'm recording this, 87 episodes are published. 88 is going up tomorrow. I'm recording this on a Tuesday night and then 89. And this is going to be episode 90. So 90 episodes in a little bit over a year. It's truly incredible. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I actually, real quick, December 13th was the first podcast and I'm recording this on December 19th. So I guess in some ways, this is also a celebration of a year of the podcast. But thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I think one of the most monumental things that I have found through this podcast is people to be able to get free access to reputable information I love being able to say, hey, I have a podcast episode on that and parents being so excited, but you all sharing this podcast and me seeing how people come into my world, it is so cool. Like I've gotten patients and families I'm working with in a one-to-one capacity from this podcast. That is just so incredibly amazing. I know so many of you have become followers on my Instagram, TikTok, all of that is linked in the show notes. But I will say one of the best things you can do for this podcast is one of two things. Write a review that, oh my gosh, means the world when I see those or I see, I hope you think this is five stars, but I feel like if you're listening to an episode like this, you you must be a little bought in. But yeah, seeing those five-star reviews come in, so important. Or share this with a fellow autism parent, whether that's like if you're on social media and you know that you have a connection there with other autism parents, share it to your stories, tag me. I will absolutely thank you. But or just word to word of, hey, I've been listening to this podcast and here's my favorite episode. That's one of the best ways I would say to recommend the podcast is I listened to this episode. It was so helpful. So wow, y'all. And just seeing the growth in my practice. And I'm really, really excited of what's to come in 2024. I gave you a sneak peek. I'm going to try, hopefully around February, putting out my first course, which is all going to be about PDA. I see the need there. And so many parents need supported in this. I've been able to, my practice has been around for a year and a half. I've been able to ramp up the assessment side of my practice. I've always had one-to-one therapy, but I was also able to launch group therapy. And one thing I haven't shared on this, which you can always book a free consult call, the link is in the show notes for that as well, if you want to explore working with me. But I also put a hybrid model together where it's a mix of group and a little bit of one-to-one time and getting that unlimited one-to-one support as well to try to make it 
more accessible for families and different ways to work with me. But so cool. I've been able to launch that and hoping the goal is to really grow that. And I really, it's funny, I sent my business coach a voice memo of I'm feeling this pull to have a one group that's more PDA focused and maybe one group that's more early childhood focused. And then if you don't fall in one of those, we'll figure out which one feels best. But that's where I'm leaning towards. But that's not official. I'm really giving y'all behind the scenes. But just so many cool things. I have some ideas. I, I realize not being an insurance-based provider that not all families can afford that. So is there a way to have some sort of scholarship fund? So lots of ideas in the works. I don't want to share too much, but like they're all in there. And I'm just so excited for you guys to be part of this journey. To wrap this episode up, I've done this intentional reflection, but it's also saying to me, I want to do a little bit more. Let me just share this too. One of the biggest things that I've learned outside of business is I love my business. I love what I do. I love being a helper. And when my world came crashing down with Shar and her diagnosis, I realized like my business can't be everything and that it is important. And I'm telling you this again as a way to model this to make sure that I'm spending time focused on the relationships that matter most. Shar is part of that, but my family as well and creating more time and more connections and all of that and taking more trips to go visit them because I don't live near them. Uh, my, yeah, they're split. Like my dad and his girlfriend live in Pennsylvania, but a couple hours away. And then my mom, stepdad and brother live in North Carolina. So intentionality there. I'll be real honest, y'all. I think I haven't, so I'm single. It's just Shar and I have been very open about that. And I'm feeling ready to date again when I think I needed to do some self-healing and focus on myself, but realizing how important those relationships are. So why do I share that? Other than, I don't know, it just felt like I needed to say it. But as I'm saying it, I know exactly why I'm sharing that. And that is to make sure if anything, if you're not in the mindset to set goals, ask yourself, what are your values and what are your priorities? And how can you live in alignment with that? And one of the things my therapist often shares with me is our values don't change that much. They're pretty stable across our lifespan, but our priorities can change. And I've seen a little bit of that. My business took a little bit more of a backseat so that family and taking care of Char and all of that could take more of a front seat. And so it can you can rearrange it, but ask yourself right now, what are your values? And then how you know, how are you going to prioritize those and realizing we can get so caught up in all this hoopla and all these things we need to achieve and accomplish and progress we need to make. But being present right here, right now is the most important thing you can do. So I think I'm going to end there. This ended up, I'm going to say, I, this episode really came together. I just hit record and saw how it would go. But I think that's the note we need to end on is like, how can we be more intentional, more mindful, live in alignment with our values, because that is never going to lead you astray. And how can you let go of some of those external measurements of success and focus on those internal measurements of success or just the things that ultimately light you the F up? I say that all the time. What does and how can you come inward at, as a family and unify as a family? Yes, autism can be hard. And just know I'm here to support you. Let me know what episodes you want to see in 2024. 
And you can do hard things. You've done hard things before and you'll continue to do hard things. So when it gets really hard, remember that one step at a time, one foot in front of the other and be as present as you can and tune out all that noise around you. All right, y'all. Wow. That's a wrap for 2023 on the podcast. Happy New Year. Stay safe. And I will see you on the other side in 2024. Before we wrap up this episode, for real this time, I want to share a couple ways you can get even more value and what your next steps could be. First, join the Evolve Facebook group. We do Q&As about the episodes and so much more. I linked that group, my personal social media pages, and any resources I mentioned in this episode in the show notes. So scroll down now and join me online. When you submit questions on any of my pages, your question could be featured on this podcast. How cool is that? I love being able to speak on topics that feel directly relevant to your life. Your questions truly make a difference in the content we create here. One last thing, do your fellow autism parents a favor. Share this episode on your social media and tag me. Autism currently affects one in 36 families in the United States and many more worldwide. So I'm sure there is a parent in your social media followers that could be served by this podcast. Thank you again for being here. And I'm so grateful we shared this time together. Bye, y'all.